This is the story of the one. As a maintenance engineer, he hears things differently. To the untrained ear, everything on his shop floor might sound fine, but he can hear gears grinding or a belt slipping. So he steps in to fix the problem at hand before it gets out of hand. And he knows Granger's got the right product he needs to get the job done, which is music to his ears. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Hey, everyone. Welcome to Round Ball Stew. I am Matt Straup. It is Wednesday, June 9th, and today we're going to be rounding up the latest from the conference semifinals as the Sixers took game two from the Hawks in Philly. The Jazz took game one, a very close one against the Clippers. The Milwaukee Bucks may be in trouble. And how will the Nuggets respond after that tour de force performance from Chris Paul in game one of that series? All that and more is coming up in just a minute. The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. Start clean with Clorox, because Clorox delivers a powerful clean every time. Because messes happen. Because... The charcoal mess. Great, because why would I put that on my face when I could drop it in my sink? This is what I get for multitasking. Ugh, why is charcoal so sticky? <clears throat> Hello? Hey, Janice. I am so sorry. I thought I was on mute. <laughs> no, we don't need to reschedule. I'll just stay off camera. Ooh, yeah, that happens. So start clean with Clorox. Use Clorox products as directed. Look around. You can find cars like these on Auto Trader, like that car riding your tail. Or if you're tailgating right now, all those cars doubling as kitchens and living rooms are on Auto Trader too. Are you working out and listening to this ad at the same time? Well, multitasking pro, cars like the ones in the gym parking lot are for sale on Auto Trader. New cars, used cars, electric cars, maybe even flying cars. Okay, no flying cars, but as soon as they get invented, they'll be on Auto Trader. Just you wait. Auto Trader. As we welcome in everyone listening on the podcast and watching live on YouTube right now, we welcome in Steve Alexander and Jared Johnson. Jared, it has been a minute here. How have you, how have your playoffs been? You don't have a dog in this fight, is that correct? Uh, I mean, at the beginning of the playoffs, I picked. I like kind of decided I would go with the Clippers in Brooklyn. I guess I would be rooting for Brooklyn. Yeah, but okay. uh, yeah, my Warriors aren't in it, so I'm pretty open minded. I don't. I just want good games. You just jumped on a pretty, uh, pretty strong bandwagon, sturdy bandwagon there. <laughs> that, nah, I just follow KD, man. He's my, look, look at that. What's that jersey right there? It's that's, KD, man. That's true. That is, a, that is dedication. I like, All right. I like whatever team he's on. Let's start, guys, with what went down on Tuesday night. The Sixers beat the Hawks in game two, 118 to 102. This game was both really close and not that close, depending on when you checked in on it. The Sixers came out extremely fast as I think we knew they would Hawks came out flat Philly led this 23 to 6 and the Hawks fought back eventually took a lead late before Shake Milton who played one minute in game one exploded Shake Milton 14 points in 14 minutes Philly (laughs) wins it by 16 Steve what are your immediate takeaways in the aftermath of this one what stood out to you from game 
number two. Well, the Sixers came out and played frenetic defense to start off the game and looked much different than they did in game one. The Hawks' spacing and ability to get guys open was not there like it was in game one. And really, the Sixers just took over the game right off the bat. The fact that the Hawks were able to hang in there and actually come back and take a a very late third quarter one-point lead uh, gave me some hope, especially doing it without DeAndre Hunter. Mm -hmm. Um, I did not expect the Hawks to go to Philadelphia and win two games. The fact that they had a chance to do that is encouraging if you're if you're a Hawks fan, I think. And you know, if Atlanta can can pack State Farm Arena and have a raucous crowd like we saw in Utah last night, uh, I could see the Hawks taking a three one lead and and kind of putting the series in their reach. Jared, any immediate thoughts for you in the aftermath? We're going to talk about DeAndre Hunter's potential impact in a minute. I mean, one thing that stood out to me was Danilo Gallinari and Kevin Herter really kept the Hawks in this early. They were 11 of 14 at halftime combined for six three-pointers. But that is, I don't know, Gallinari and Herter are kind of supposed to be a bonus for the Hawks. You're not counting on them to keep you in it. And we saw Trey Young and Bogdan Bogdanovich struggle in this one, Jared. Yeah, that definitely Bogdan didn't show up. And then Clint Capella has been really quiet probably has something to do with all the energy he's spending on Joel Embiid. Yeah. And also John Collins was 36.4% last night, four of 11. Um, You can't have that. So, but you know, I just, I just think that Atlanta's a team and we have this every once in a while, these teams that show up in the playoffs, these really young guys, they don't know to be scared. They don't know to be intimidated by Philly's number one seed. And we saw that in New York. They just, I mean, I guess a four or five isn't, isn't much of an upset. But I could see Atlanta to- taking this. It, it wouldn't surprise me. Now, Philly is supposed to win, right? They're the number one seed. They right. have Doc Rivers. They have a championship coach. They have an MVP candidate. But Atlanta, they just play like dogs, man. They, they never give up. If Trey Young is fearless, uh, it, it, when they're rolling, it, it's really hard to stop that team. Um, I'm surprised, <laughs> man. If there's anyone in this in this postseason who is who is going to gain like an a, immense amount of fantasy stock heading into next year, it's Mr. Trey Young. I wh- where was he going like, this season? Like third, fourth? Like I really feel, and I'm disappointed by the fact that he's probably going to be a second round guy next year with with how much noise he's making. I, I'm disappointed in that. I would like to be able to get him in the third or fourth round. I feel like Trey was going. <laughs> late round one I think or Trey early was round going like two. late late first yeah yeah <laughs> i mean he wasn't going around three or four i took him in the first or second round in, in almost every every league i was i was in maybe it was that he he technically provided fourth round value because of the turnovers but if you ignore yeah. that he, yeah I, he, people gave him a lot of guff i guess during the fantasy season like during my chats people would always ask what's up with trey young i don't know he's fine <laughs> yeah, and the turnovers were a factor on uh, on Tuesday night. He had four of them, and some of them were really careless, led to Philly points. And, you know, what you hinted at, Jared, Trey Young, Bogdan Bogdanovich, and John Collins combined for 16 for 43 in this game. And we did see, I agree with you that in one sense the Hawks are not scared, but we did see, I feel like, some nerves early in that game. John Collins blew an easy layup. Bogdan Bogdanovich, they found him wide open for a corner three. He bricked it hard. I the Hawks, I feel like, came out a little on edge in this game. Is my sense just was just my sense from watching it. Mm-hmm. And now I will turn us to the Philly side of things because Joel Embiid was flat out spectacular. Forty points, thirteen rebounds, thirteen <laughs> of twenty five from the field. 
we were talking a little bit offline, guys, before we start here about this knee injury, about this torn meniscus. Other than a moment where he was kind of hopping around on it in game one and looked like he couldn't put weight on it, there has been zero sign that Embiid is feeling any impact from this injury. I don't know what kind of pain he might be dealing with, but it is not affecting the way he is playing. He was hitting everything, it seemed, a lot of difficult shots, fallaways, turnarounds. He was hitting from everywhere on the floor on Tuesday night, Jared. And, uh, I mean, I'm, I'm basically done talking about the knee injury at this point. <laughs> uh, I give credit to Embiid for how well he's playing, but I'm done being like, wow, he's playing through that knee injury. I, I'm done with that narrative. Well, yeah, <laughs> I'm going to give him slightly more credit. But, yes, a torn meniscus is something you can play through, and it was a partial tear, right? And we, we I, I think that they're going to be playing it up. They're going to be evaluating him. But the dude came out and scored, what, 38 in the first one, 48, uh, 40 in, in game yeah. two. <laughs> he's, I mean, he's, he's doing fine. <laughs> he was, Jared, he was in the game at the end when the game was well decided trying to get 40 points. And it was, it was like, what? If Embiid is hurt, what is he doing in this game? That was that completely is a fantastic insane. point. That is a fantastic point. If he's really hurt, I don't think Doc Rivers puts him out there to get that 40. When the game's and decided, they, right? You know, when they, they show him on the sitting in his chair and they wrap his knee up, like that's the only time I can tell there's anything wrong with his knee is when they when they wrap it up, you know, put that pad on it. But, I mean, he looks incredible. And, Matt, it's interesting. that After game one, you were like, I don't feel like Embiid was really doing what he does. He, he was shooting a lot of mid-range jumpers and fadeaways. And I, I feel like that's what he did in game two also. It's like he's a... It's like he's a Clay Tom. He's like a seven foot three version of Clay Thompson at times. And yeah, but he 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 also goes inside and bangs. Like unlike Kristaps Porzingis, Embiid plays inside. So I just thought I would have to look back at every possession to really evaluate this accurately. But I, but I felt like in game one he was playing a bit slower, even though he did have the thirty nine points. In game two, it just felt more like a complete performance. And I mean, 39, 40 points are both really good games, but it, it felt a little more like, wow, he was really just dominating in game two, and you got to give credit. And the one other thing I want to say about Embiid is people complain about Trey, the way that Trey Young draws fouls, and, and I'm not going to argue that with you. I think that's fair to do so because he's very good at it, and he does it, and I'm sure it's really annoying when your team is playing against the Hawks. But man, the way Joel Embiid's theatrics are every bit, <laughs> I, I mean, are, are at the top level in the league like the way this dude flops around to get foul calls like <laughs> credit because it works but you can't talk about trey young in this series the way he draws fouls if you're not going to mention joel and beat as well jared i'm not a, i'm not aware of that dialogue i mean i don't know like yeah guys flopping around is, is always a little bit frustrating but it's a part of the game man like and you, it's not like you can be shake milton and do that like joel Embiid earned that it's called superstar calls like we I, all we, i know i know, know. You know, it's just it, it, it's just a little silly at times, but for you, you sure, can't, for you sure. can't go near him. <laughs> yeah. I, I don't I don't think we can talk about uh, the Sixers last night without talking about Ben Simmons kind of putting handcuffs on Trey. Like to me, that was the difference in the game was was Ben Simmons really deed up on Trey. Uh, Trey only hit six of 16 shots and one of seven from downtown. Totally different Trey yeah. Young than we saw in game one. Yeah. And they to, made his life harder. They made his life harder. I, there were times, though, that Trey went by Simmons easily. I mean, left him by like 10 feet. But then the entire defense, I think, was collapsing better when Trey got in the paint. And yeah, their D was was definitely better. I think that's the hardest time Trey Young has had once he got into the paint in these playoffs. And I think it must have thrown him off a little bit because he, against the Knicks, would get in the paint and the floater was there. 
And in game one against the Sixers, the floater was pretty much there. This game, I think the D really put a lot of pressure on him, and they were just chasing him all over the place. And yeah, I mean, credit to the Sixers D to some extent. I think they did they did do a much better job. Jared, what were your thoughts? Yeah, just to touch on what I said about Trey. Yeah, he definitely was going in the first round. I think what I was kind of thinking, if like say that Atlanta didn't make the playoffs, I'm not sure that he would have been in the first round, but his playoff performance minus this past game has just like, yeah. overall been phenomenal. I, I think he's been, I think Atlanta's probably one of my favorite teams to watch so far. I, I love their team. Can we pivot really quick to just DeAndre Hunter a little bit? Yeah, let's do it. And, and I will say I put the DeAndre Hunter jersey behind me because the <laughs> Hawks need this guy back badly. Solomon Hill has been in the starting lineup. He was I don't know. Solomon Hill seems like a great teammate, but there were some blown defensive assignments in game two where Seth Curry was very open and you kind of see Solo coming, lagging into the picture (laughs) very late. And they need Hunter badly just for their defense. And having Solomon Hill in the starting lineup, I mean, it's brutal for the Hawks for the most part. So where did you want to take this? I just want to kind of look towards like the future a little bit in fantasy. When the season started, DeAndre Hunter was easily the Uh, Biggest surprise, is that fair to say? Or or just like he was providing top 50 value and looking amazing. And this is not a guy who was drafted anywhere near that. No, heading into the shutdown, it was Cam Reddish whose stock was soaring compared to Hunter. And Hunter had been okay, but maybe a little bit of a disappointment. And it was like, oh, well, Reddish is now the future star of these two young wings. And maybe Hunter will figure it out. And lo and behold, Hunter figured it out. Hunter figured it out, and it was phenomenal to watch him. He looked like the Atlanta's second-best player a lot of the time. And since he's come back from this knee injury, I'm, I'm, I'm scared. Like, that he just keeps – he's come back, and he keeps missing games after that. Like, it, I mean, I think it's pretty obvious that he rushed back the first time. Yeah. Uh, I'm a little bit concerned. Uh, I'm just noticing Steve's shirt. It's funny. Analyst. Uh, <laughs> uh so can Hunter be this guy next season when he's completely healthy? We also have Bogdan to worry about, who was nothing at the start of the year and went flamethrower as soon as DeAndre Hunter went down. You mentioned Cam Reddish. He was the guy that everyone thought was going to be the dude, and he missed most of the year with Achilles soreness. Uh, maybe mm-hmm. he'll come back at some point. There's just a lot of parts going on in Atlanta. So do you think just – pivoting away from the playoffs for a second here and and talking about fantasy and next year, do you think that DeAndre Hunter can be that top 50 player uh, when everyone on this team is healthy? I think so, because we also have to factor in, we don't know the future of John Collins. Uh, Uh, I mean, I think a lot of Hawks fans hope he'll be back, but at the money he wants, I don't know that he will be. And especially when we see him kind of have those kind of games where he disappeared like he did in game two. So that's a factor. If Collins is gone, I think that opens up more opportunities for Hunter. Yeah. And I do think, I do think Hunter is enough of a featured piece where at worst he's with this team healthy as a number three option on offense. So I think the numbers, I would expect the numbers to be there if, you know, assuming he can get through this knee stuff and, and has a good off season. Yeah. Cool. It'll be close. I mean, uh, the Hawks are so deep. Like they're, they're, yeah, Probably the deepest team in these playoffs right now. Uh, we don't know what their roster is going to look like next year. Like you said, John Collins, we don't we don't know what's going to happen there. Also, Cam Reddish coming back is is not going to help DeAndre Hunter any. But I think Hunter's proved he's good enough, and his defense is important enough to this team that he's going to play and probably be 
probably be a top 50 guy next year. So then what about Bogdan? Like one of these guys has to take a dip, right? I mean, I guess if John Collins leaves, but I think so much of the offense just is going to run through Trey and Bogdan regardless. Okay. And then, you know, and, and Hunter as well. And so then it's Collins kind of the, it, it say Collins return. Yeah. If Collins is around Collins already kind of sacrificed, honestly, he did down he did. the stretch. The numbers took a hit. I mean, I think he's an unselfish player and I also think he's a player who can kind of disappear for stretches. So mm-hmm. he is a guy who will take a back seat whether he wants to or not on offense. And it feels like Bogdanovich has found a home in Atlanta because he was not used properly in Sacramento. And then the whole mm-hmm. trade to the Bucks thing happened. They could sure mm-hmm. use him right now. And I mean, he's just got to be <laughs> yes. loving. He's got to be, true. he's got to be loving life playing yeah. for the Hawks and being as, you know, focal point and having great success and, and, and being in the prime of his career. He's doing this in team. his prime. Yeah. yeah. I really like what I see from him. I got to quickly note on the Sixers side of things. It, it was interesting that they won game two with Ben Simmons doing a whole lot less. He only attempted three shots, four points, seven assists. I guess he was more focusing on defense, but it was really the Harris and Bede Curry show with a side order of Shake Milton very late. So, yeah, it's going to be fascinating heading into game three on Friday night. I'm absolutely dreading it. Steve, you have one final thought? Yeah, Tobias Harris took over that game at the start. Like the whole reason the Hawks were down 20 early was because Tobias Harris could not miss his shot. And if DeAndre Hunter was in there, his sole purpose in life in this series is to stop (laughs) Tobias Harris from torching the Hawks. 57.9% last night. You can't, you cannot, I mean, we keep talking about DeAndre Hunter, but you cannot overstate how important he is to, to that team. Yeah. Yep. Well, the Hawks also had 17 turnovers, which is not good. The Sixers had a good shooting night, 46% on threes. The Hawks had an okay shooting night, 36.7%. So let's move on to the late game from Tuesday night, guys. It was the Jazz 112, the Clippers 109. What a game this was. The Clippers led by 13 at halftime. I had to laugh a little bit because there was a sideline report on the broadcast, I think early in the third, about how the Jazz needed to attack more. You know, they need to get to the basket more. And lo and behold, what did they do? They just bombed a bunch of threes. <laughs> I, I Mitchell hit six of them. Clarkson hit six of them. Donovan Mitchell ended up with 45 points in just a dominant performance. And this one ended with Rudy Gobert out on the perimeter blocking a Marcus Morris three at the end, Steve. Yeah, uh, this was the Donovan Mitchell game and you remember uh tnt shack was kind of mean to him and they said that he was never going to be a superstar and all this stuff um (laughs) paul george doesn't seem to get that kind of treatment but to me donovan mitchell is much more of a gamer than paul george is paul george hit 417 shots in this this game um didn't appear to want the ball at the end of the game uh also, I don't know what the Clippers were doing with the ball at the end of the game. Rondo brought it up to court, uh, discombobulated offense. You know, Kawhi Leonard should have had the ball in his hands at some point. But, I mean, Donovan Mitchell was a monster in the second half. And he said he didn't feel good in the first half of this game. He was having nausea, um, wasn't feeling well, and then just came out in the second half, took over the game, and won won the game for the Jazz. And also... That arena was rocking, man. That's that's the loudest I've heard a crowd on TV in a long time. Yeah. Jared, you look like you wanted to disagree on the uh, the Paul George thing. Uh, there. Well, I thought, did you were you implying that Paul George doesn't get the negative treatment because people hate on Paul George like <laughs> regularly? I think. Well, yeah, okay. I mean, Paul George is like 
I used to consider him a superstar. I don't know if I would anymore. He's like the weirdest superstar in that he can just, he can go for 50 or he can just shoot three of 17 and you don't know which one you're getting. Um, Great defender, but the offense isn't always there. And just really honestly, not consistently that guy who was in Indiana. I know he had an incredible season in OKC, but when he was in Indiana and he was rocking uh, that Roy Hibbert team that battled Miami and took him to seven, that was the Paul George that I fell in love with. And it's not there anymore. I don't know. It's weird. It's weird. I think the Clippers team, it's it's all about Paul George. I mean, Kawhi's going to show up. Every, it, yeah. But if, if PG doesn't, they can't just do it with Kawhi. And Utah, credits Utah because they did slow Kawhi down a little bit after he averaged 32 points, shot 61% from the field in the first round. For him, a quiet night, 23 points on 9 for 19 shooting. Yeah. And what we're seeing, I think, by the way, Utah won this game without Mike Conley, which is pretty impressive. Pretty impressive. But what we're seeing, I think, is what we were seeing at times during that Mavericks series. It's like, all right, beyond Kawhi and Paul George... How, who's going to help out? I mean, Reggie Jackson. Apparently. Well, he fouled out in 17 minutes. I know. Marcus Morris shot four for 14. So it's really hard for the Clippers to win when both of those guys play badly. I think. Well, and it's and- really hard to win when you're relying on Reggie Jackson to be your X factor, which he was <laughs> in the first round, which I did not see coming. Steve, I interrupt. I mean, no. Is is Marcus Morris the actual X factor for this team? Uh, four of 14, one of nine from three. Yeah. Uh, in in game one, and he won game seven for the Clippers against Dallas yeah. when he shot eight of fifteen and seven and nine from three. And the game before that, he was one of ten and zero for three for from three. So it kind of feels to me like if Marcus Morris gets hot, the Clippers are going to win. If Marcus Morris is and if Marcus Morris and Paul George at the same time are, are struggling, they're going to lose. Yeah. Luke Kennard, you know, surfaced again. He had 18 points in 29 minutes, but you don't want Luke Kennard to be your third leading scorer in a playoff game. No, Jared. <laughs> no, yeah. I mean, it's just kind of a mixed bag. It's PG, Kawhi, and who else? And the who, the who else sometimes is Terrence Mann. I mean, this team is weird. Um, yes, they are. Do you guys feel Utah? Like I said from, I've been saying from the, well, when they acquired Mike Conley, and I was super wrong about Mike Conley that first season, I said that, I don't know. I feel like this is the year if Utah was to sneak into the finals, this would be their best opportunity to do it. Do you guys feel Utah perhaps sneaking into the finals this year or no? I mean, they're the number one seed. I, I think it I think it depends on Conley's injury. And Conley, as you know, we we previewed game one and mentioned that Conley's hamstring injury might keep him out, and it did keep him out. And that hurt the Jazz. I mean, the Jazz, the Clippers controlled the first half of this game pretty handily. Uh, Donovan Mitchell's heroics brought him back. It all comes down to whether Conley's healthy or not. They they did say on the yeah. telecast last night that they thought he was going to play in game two. So we'll see if that happens or not. But, I mean, if Conley's healthy, I, I don't see why the Jazz wouldn't be in the finals. I kind of – And it just speaks to the – excuse me, Jared, to – what a strange space the Jazz have occupied during the season. I think that they had the best record in the league, and we talk about them sneaking into the finals. <laughs> <laughs> it's true, but I, I mean, they just don't have that experience. Um, Mike Conley's clearly, yes, if they don't have Mike Conley, I, I feel like it's, it's a very similar situation with James Harden. 
that hamstring was a problem for him all year. But the way that I was reading it when I wrote his blurb, it, it did seem like, yeah, they they might hold him out of game one, but it, he partially participated in Monday's practice. Mm-hmm. So it, it's not it's not devastating, but also with a hamstring, you can tweak that thing easy. Um, yeah. It's just you, you're it, it's luck. Going back to Donovan Mitchell being held out of a game that he did not want to be held out of. Um, <laughs> yeah. That leads me to believe that, you know, the Jazz are going to be super careful with Conley and maybe Conley is not going to fight back as hard as Donovan Mitchell did and say, let me play. You also have to wonder if Joel Embiid played for Utah, would he, would he have played last night? I don't know. Hmm, that's an interesting question. No idea. You also start to think, if you're the Jazz, you just won game one holding him out. You start to think, man, maybe, maybe we roll the dice again and try to get him that much more rest and avoid the risk of a re-injury. But then again, you really don't want to drop game two. Yeah, shake his head. You don't want to drop game two on your home. Well, you don't, just don't underestimate here, him. I'm just sitting here thinking about James Harden's hamstring and Mike, Mike Conley's hamstrings. And like, I can actually see like a vision in my mind, in my, like, I can see it in front of me, Harden coming back and playing in like game four for the Nets and then going down. Yeah, three minutes into the game, and then being done for the rest of the playoffs. Like hamstring injuries, if if you don't let them heal, it, nothing good ever comes out of it. You know, and yeah, I think Harden might. I think Harden might be done. Like not not done. I think he'll try to come back and play again, but he's not going to be at a hundred percent. And he's chances of him re-injuring himself after he comes back are extremely high. And that's why yes. if I'm the Jazz, I'm super careful with Conley right now. Yeah. Yeah, but I mean, you just don't want to underestimate the Clippers. I don't think you want to give them. I mean, yes, you're right. It's it's, it's a tough place to be in with these hamstring entries because you don't want to sacrifice the the game. You want those two home games, right? So you want Conley to come yeah. back, but same time, that that's just an injury that man. Like if they don't for Brooklyn, I think Brooklyn can win a championship without James Harden. I think James Harden being healthy guarantees a championship. I think they, for Utah, they need Conley. They need Conley. The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. Start clean with Clorox because Clorox delivers a powerful clean every time. Because messes happen. Because... (laughs) The charcoal mask. Great, because why would I put that on my face when I could drop it in my sink? This is what I get for multitasking. Ugh, why is charcoal so sticky? Hello? Hey, Janice. I am so sorry. I thought I was on mute. (laughs) No, we don't need to reschedule. I'll just stay off camera. Ooh, yeah, that happens. So start clean with Clorox. Use Clorox products as directed. Look around. You can find cars like these on AutoTrader. Like that car riding your tail. Or if you're tailgating right now, all those cars doubling as kitchens and living rooms are on AutoTrader, too. Are you working out and listening to this ad at the same time? Well, multitasking pro, cars like the ones in the gym parking lot are for sale on AutoTrader. New cars, used cars, electric cars, maybe even flying cars. Okay, no flying cars, but as soon as they get invented, they'll be on AutoTrader. Just you wait. AutoTrader. 
All right, well, well, we'll talk Brooklyn and Milwaukee in a minute here, but let's quickly look ahead to Wednesday's lone game on the schedule. That would be the Nuggets and the Suns, Game 2. Phoenix took Game 1, of course, behind a huge game from Chris Paul. 21 points, 6 rebounds, 11 assists, I think one turnover. We had four Suns players top 20 points in that 17-point win. Uh, big second half for the Suns. They shot 64% in the second half, erasing a 10-point Denver lead, Jared. What are you looking for as we spin this forward to game two? I mean, can we stop talking about CP's shoulder? I think he's fine. <laughs> if, we're gonna talk- <laughs> if, we're, if we're not talking about Embiid's knee, we can stop talking about Chris Paul's shoulder as well. I'll stop talking about both. Yeah, that, uh, this one's a coin flip, this series. Um, I don't know. I think that you could make a case for Phoenix maybe making it into the post, like into the finals. It's not a case I would make. I don't think either of these – I think – Neither of these teams are going to be in the finals. I understand Phoenix's Monty Williams has been great. They've been playing great. They had the number one seed briefly. Uh, I don't buy it. <laughs> Do you guys I, buy it? I don't buy it. I feel like I'm, I underestimated Phoenix already coming into this series because I picked Denver to win mm-hmm. it. And I don't know. I can't exactly figure out what makes Phoenix a very good team, but I'm starting to believe that they are, and I've just, I've just been guilty of underestimating them. Steve, you come around in the Suns? Kind of. I mean, I think they play really good defense. I think DeAndre Ayton is playing a lot better than I think we thought he was even capable of. He had 20 and 10 in game one, shot 9 to 13. Um, That's true. That's true. And really, the whole their whole starting five played really well in game one. They were at home. They're supposed to win that game. I still think the Nuggets are the better team. I still think the Nuggets are going to win the series. Uh, it was cool. I don't know if you guys have seen the video of – Nikola Jokic getting the call from Adam Silver uh, during a mm-hmm. team meeting, but it's pretty cool. I retweeted it recently, and uh, congrats to to Jokic for getting getting uh, the MVP award yesterday. But getting that hardware, I still think I still like the whole Michael Porter Jr. Jokic Composo um, setup <laughs> for my Nuggets. I, I can't go. In a podcast without uh, mentioning Facundo Composo. I just let me tell you something. Let me jump in here about Composo real quick. During game one, I was getting a text from Steve Alexander every time Composo got a bucket. <laughs> I, might, I might have even get him when Composo was bringing it across half court. I was getting texts. Composo exclamation points. You're stealing my Capella line. <laughs> Composo like gets a late bucket, totally meaningless. I get another Composo text. <laughs> he was pretty good, 14, 4, and 6 with two steals and three threes. But I do want to, going back to Jokic, it's interesting. After averaging 33 points and 10.5 boards against the Blazers, his life was a lot harder in game one against the Suns. 22 points, nine rebounds, just three assists, shot 10 for 23. Jared, do you think you call that an outlier? Do you think that the Suns can continue to make the MVP's life considerably harder than it was against Portland? I think they can make it harder. I just I don't believe in Denver at all because they don't have Jamal Murray. That's a necessary component. And hey, Composo's fun. He's great. He's not gonna. He's not a difference maker for this team. Well, careful what you say around Steve. <laughs> they, they just don't have. They they have Jokic, and they don't have. I mean, MPJ is a great offensive player, but he's not a two way player. And they don't have that second star in Jamal Murray. They don't. It, the Phoenix does. Phoenix has a Hall of Famer in Chris Paul. Phoenix has a rising star in Devin Booker. Phoenix has, as Steve mentioned, a very well-playing DeAndre Ayton who is giving Jokic trouble. Give this man credit. We, I don't know. I ripped on DeAndre Ayton a lot during the fantasy season. Hey, he's showing up when it matters. I, I, don't, I don't see how Denver could take the series, to be honest. Aaron Gordon has been pretty disappointing there. 
Wow. Do you guys have any thoughts on Aaron Gordon? <laughs> well, I will also say another factor in game one was Monte Morris, who has been really good lately. I think had 28 and 22 points in the last two games against Portland, respectively, was one for 10 for two points in game one. So that's hard. Yeah. If Denver needs him playing yes. well as well, too. When you have Compazzo and Monte Morris playing well, and maybe a, a little bit of Austin Rivers here and there, it's like by committee, they almost help you forget about Jamal yeah. Murray or, you know, not that those three can replace it, but, you know, it helps. They need Monte Morris playing well. I, I don't think Denver can win, Steve, when they get a Monte Morris dud. And while I I don't love Aaron Gordon, but he, he hit eight of 14 shots, had three steals and 18 points in that game. Like, he wasn't really... But they lost. The, the problem, Mon, Monte Morris, one of 10, is, is the deal because, you know, he'd been scoring 20 points every night. He's sort of the guy that's been filling in for the the most for Jamal Murray, him and Composo like sort of combined. Uh, I think that the Nuggets are going to win game two tonight uh, at Phoenix. They're going to take control of the series. They're going to go back to Denver. I, I just think Denver's a better team. I think, I think Jokic, I, I, I kind of feel like this whole DeAndre Ayton thing that we've seen in six games or whatever it has been so far, I still feel like it's kind of a mirage and I'm waiting for <laughs> you're still not ready waiting for the other foot other shooter to drop so uh back to my composo texts during this entire season I I was I kind of made fun of Jared for taking Clint Capella as early as he was at fantasy drafts Capella was awesome all season and literally every time the Hawks play I'd be sitting here <laughs> watching the Hawks on my TV and I, Capella would dunk or get a rebound and I would immediately look at my computer screen to wait for the Slack message to pop up that just says Capella <laughs> in capital letters with a, a million exclamation points after it, which I received hundreds of those this season, literally. <laughs> from the second half, I, I, I changed it. it to Capella Ogdon. <laughs> um, but wait, hold on. Let me, t- let me touch yeah, on this ahead, point Jared. that you said, Steve. I think that you, you actually you touched on a very key issue. You, you identified that uh, Monte Morris and, and uh, Faku are basically Denver's X factors. And I would identify that as the problem. They're not reliable. They can, they can pop off here and there seven game, like a seven game series. I don't know. I, I, I'm not trusting them. That, that would be my, like they're going up against Chris Paul. This man's a hall of famer. Like <laughs> We ain't scared. Oh, damn. Hey Jared, you are preparing yourself for a, a deluge is that the right word of composo text tonight it is, <laughs> I, I am telling you if he goes for six points and three dimes you're getting nine texts i'm just, I'm just warning you that <laughs> let's quickly check in guys on the other semifinal series the nets lead the bucks 2-0 the first two games in brooklyn were not that At close all. how jared can milwaukee get back in this thing no it's not happening it's not happening on Thursday, series moves to their home floor. It's not happening. They can't get it back in and on their home floor. Brooklyn in three. <laughs> in three. <laughs> Milwaukee doesn't have a chance, man. They're I think everyone galaxy-brained Milwaukee. Hey, I took Milwaukee last year, but I learned a lesson. Look, I get it. Like, Drew Holiday made their team better. But let's not overthink this, guys. Brooklyn has Kyrie Irving and Kevin Durant. Two times final MVP, Kevin Durant. Kyrie, game seven, kill my dubs. Come on. Like, you put, you bet on the team with the two superstars. This superstars in their prime. K- 
KD came back from an Achilles tear. He is KD. This team is not going to lose to yes. Milwaukee. Milwaukee is a team you can beat by taking away their spacing. And Drew Holiday really, really helped them. But that's not enough when you're going against KD and Kyrie. Like, sorry, that's the end of that's the whole script. That's the whole story right there. That's my analysis. Bet on the superstars. <laughs> to would you care to respond? Well, <laughs> Steve, before you jump in, Chris Middleton was six for twenty-three in game one. We said he had to play better. He was seven for twenty in game two. That's a tidy thirteen for forty-three in this series so far. And that, to Jared's point, is not going to cut it when you're trying to keep up with Kyrie and KD. KD, 30 and a half points, shooting 56% through Oof. his first two games of the series, just picking up where he left off. I mean, he was incredible in the first round, and he's been really good in the first two games of this series. Well, the Steve. Bucks are getting nothing from their bench. And, you know, on, on paper, you take James Harden off the nets. So you got Kevin Durant and Kyrie Irving going up against Chris Middleton, Giannis, and Drew Holiday and, and company, the Bucks should should be in this series. Like they should be able to at least compete with this team. I don't know. I don't know if this is on Giannis, or I don't know if this means the the Nets are just really that good. But something is wrong. Like Milwaukee, we have a huge problem. Bucks. Are, I haven't even competed in either one of these games. And that's with James Harden uh, sitting on the sidelines with a hoodie over his head. So He's I'm with right. Jared. <laughs> Nets in three. Um, <laughs> well, yeah, Milwaukee's formula has just it's just the third year in a row where Milwaukee's, you know, strong regular season formula isn't isn't yep. carrying over. Yep. Jared. Yep. And that was the lesson I learned last season. I don't know if it's Coach Bud. I don't know what it is. Um, but they consistently are not there in the playoffs. I, I, I don't want to blame Giannis. Isn't it also? I mean, as great as Giannis is, is as much of a force of nature as he is physically, and as incredible as his numbers can be. I mean, I just feel like it's a huge factor when your best player in today's NBA is not a huge threat fr- from yes. all over the floor. Yes, you know. I mean, you look at Embiid. Embiid steps out to the top of the key. He's he's raining yes. threes. You know, Giannis, Jokic, same thing. Giannis is on that considered to be on that level and he is in every way except that he is not you're not that worried about it when he steps out there and it's still a big problem i think it's very hard to win a championship with a team that you can play a two three zone against and you can do that against milwaukee what's crazy about that bucks game is they shot a total of nine free throws and Giannis and his brother shot all nine of them um wow Giannis hit two of seven and how, how, like we just got done literally 30 seconds ago talking about how Giannis is one dimensional. He's only going to be inside banging. He's not going to be shooting from the outside a lot. And yet he only shoots seven, seven free throws in the game. Joel Embiid got to the line a ton against the Hawks. He hits his free yeah. throws also. And, yeah. you know, I don't know, man. I, I don't want to, I don't, I don't really want to blame this all on Giannis. Maybe it's a Coach Bud thing, but something, something is wrong. That's interesting. Like, super hot take, but can Giannis be the best player and win a championship if he never truly develops? Like, if he's a 30% three-point shooter? Uh, it's a problem. It's a problem. Second player's got to play a lot better than Middleton's played so far. Exactly. Middleton's got to step up. But even if, even if Middleton steps up and let's say he hits 
uh, 15 of 20 shots instead of seven of 20, the final score of that game was still 125 to 86. Like, <laughs> well, that was, yes, that, that was game. Your flip flop. Yeah. Point taken. It was a six for 23 game was the 125 to 86 game. But yeah. And, and point my point taken. No. Right. No, it was Middleton was seven to 20 and they lost 125 to 86 in game. That was game two, right? Yeah. What's happening right now? No, game two. <laughs> Game two, they lost 115-107. What am I looking at? What is going on? Oh, Middleton. I But I do have Middleton's lines backwards because he was six for 23 in game and I th- two. Okay. Here, I, so there I you think go. the problem. <laughs> I think the problem here. No, this is important. This I think the problem here is, the, is that both Chris and Drew are third options, and Milwaukee doesn't have a second option. Oh, interesting. You can't just give the ball to Chris and, and have him get a bucket. Not in the playoffs. I haven't seen you, it. You could the whole re- the whole the last five years in the regular season. You could. Yeah, the regular season. He is great. <laughs> no, by the way, here's the problem. I flip flop games one and two. I'm sorry. Thank Pardon you. My brain. Thank my you. My brain is broken. It's, my brain is broken. <laughs> I am. Uh, it's too many usually podcasts. me. <laughs> too many podcasts. Too many box scores. It's usually me that does stuff like that. So I'll take that one. But in either yeah. case. It didn't matter what Middleton did because they were getting blown out anyway. Like, yes. like it's not even a it's not even a contest at this point. Like, if I'm a Bucks fan and I've I've invested a lot of money in fear of the deer swag, I, I'm not feeling very good about it right now. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Any parting thought, Jared, from you before we get out of here? Uh, I think it's crazy that Milwaukee did look like a really good team in the first round. It looks like they're about to get bounced in the second round. Indeed. The UPS truck backed down my treacherous, steep driveway yesterday morning, sending my dog into a frenzy that forced me to get out of bed and go find out what was going, what what was going on. Like, uh, what's the the night before Christmas or whatever? The find out what the clatter was all about. And uh, uh, my Dallas Mavericks baseball hat got here yesterday, just in time, just in time for a long just in time for me to leave it in the box, leave it on the shelf Break and wait it out next year, just in time for Cancun, Steve, <laughs> wait for, wait for Brad Beal to show up and save the day next season. Oh, that would be fantastic. All right. Well, on that note, that's going to do it for us. Don't forget to subscribe on Apple podcast on Spotify, wherever you listen, take a second to rate and review us as well. We'll be back here on Friday to talk more as the playoffs continue. Thanks to everyone for watching live with us on YouTube today. Thanks to everyone for listening on the podcast. And thanks to you guys, Steve, Jared. Appreciate it, guys. We'll talk to you soon. Catch you later. <laughs> the longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. One, two, three, four. Those are numbers. But you already knew that. If you want to know what number you're going to pay each month for your car... Use Kelly Blue Book My Wallet on AutoTrader. They're really good at numbers. AutoTrader.